0: Looking at verses 14 through 17, this just reminds us of the significance of God's Word in our lives. I told someone the other day, I said, you know, the degree to which you can trust my judgment, and I I guess we could apply this to all of ourselves, is the degree to which we submit to the Word. and provides restraint to all of our inclinations and true wisdom. Thank God for His Word. Read with me. equipped for every good work.
1: Thank you, Joel. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that as we um, look into your word this morning, as we think about it, um, that you would grow us in your grace, that you would give us a greater appreciation for what we have here in our hands, and I pray that you would also, um, by your Spirit, by your grace, that you would give us um, greater determination to believe and to submit to your Word for your glory. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. All right. So we're we're um, this is this is part eleven of our series through Second Timothy. We've only got a few more weeks. Left, we've got one chapter after this one. We're working our way through, and we get to um, a verse here, couple of verses that I have thought about a lot in the last fifteen years. Sometimes when you go to preach a sermon, you because I just preach through uh, I just preach through books of the Bible, just just verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through whole books. And believe it or not. Um, you know, we're going to do Numbers next. After Easter, we're going to preach right through the the entire book of Numbers. Um and so um and so yeah, you can just call me for for recommendations for other churches if you want. But anyhow, um so we're going to do the book of Numbers. And I, can't, and I can't wait. I am so excited. And some some passages of scripture, you open it up on Monday, you start to think about it. What am I going to preach on Sunday? And it's just so hard to try to even imagine, what is this about? How can I preach this? And then some passages of Scripture you've thought about so much that the question is, how will I ever shut up? How will I ever stop talking on Sunday? So we'll see what happens um, today. You ever played the game where you do that... um, People ask you "What's your if you're going to be stranded on a deserted island. If you're going to be stranded on a desert island, what book would you take with you? What one book? If you could have a desert island book, what would it be? If you could have a desert island movie, what would it be? You ever thought about that? Uh, my answer is easy. This is such an easy answer for me. I would go to Amazon and I would order a book called How to Survive on a Desert Island. That's what I would do. It's, this is not... And if I, for my movie, I would just see if they made a movie out of that book. Because I, I, um, I have a limited skill set. And within that skill set is not how to survive like on a desert island. That, I, would be, I would not do well. I'm not the kind of person who you know figures out how to build a house and, and, and subdue the wild animals and fight off the pirates and, and, and build a civilization. I... Plant a garden. I can't do any of that stuff. I I would be dead in like eight or nine hours. I would I would not make it. I wouldn't bring along Lord of the Rings to desert island. It's a good book. I would die though. I would, you could just bury me with that book. So I need I need a good desert island book. I was thinking about that this week because that's where we are. If you think about sin, if you think about our hopeless condition. You think about about what it means to be born to condemnation. You you think of what it means to be born with a sinful nature. To inherit that from Adam. And, And just how hopeless we are. We're here and we're on a desert island. We need the right book. This life, because we are sinners, because we cannot in and of ourselves ever find our way to pleasing a holy God, to being brought into His family, being blessed by Him. Because that's what this life is for us, it's very much like landing on a desert island. And there's only one book. There's only one book that matters. There's only one book that can tell us how to be saved. There's only one book that can tell us how to live a life that truly counts. It's, it's this. It's, it's the Word of God. It's this book. Verse 14 says, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Paul is saying to Timothy, Continue in the Bible. Continue in the Word of God. My one agenda this morning, and I think it's the same as Paul's agenda, as he's writing these verses to Timothy, is to tell you to continue in the Bible. If you don't, nothing else matters. This is the only desert island book that truly matters. And Paul's going to give us three reasons as we look at these verses. He's going to give us three reasons why why we must continue in the Bible. We're going to look at these three reasons Together. Let's look at the first one. The first, number one. First reason why we must continue in the Bible. Number one, the Bible makes us wise for salvation. The Bible makes us wise for salvation. Verse 14 and 15 say, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying to Timothy, you have this incredible blessing because of your faithful mother and your faithful grandmother, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. You've been acquainted with the Word of God for as long as you can remember. Since infancy... You have been learning and hearing the Word of God. I'm going to, for this, this is not really part of a sermon. This is like a, like a bonus feature, okay? So I'm just going to throw this in real quick. Parents, let's just stop and say right here that if we're not doing what Timothy's mother did for him, we're failing. We're, we're failing. If we are not acquainting our children with the sacred writings, if, if sports or school or friends or, or someday marrying a nice person or getting a good job someday or, or, or our children feeling fulfilled as they grow up, if, if that stuff is more important to us than making sure that they are acquainted with the sacred writings, if any of that other stuff has somehow become more important then we're doing it wrong, all right, back to the sermon. That was that was free. That was a bonus feature. Um, but it come. I mean, this is a huge deal to Paul. He's saying, Timothy, you have been so blessed. Your faithful mother, your faithful grandmother, they have they have acquainted you with the sacred writings, the Word of God, and and here's why. First reason why this is the only desert island book that matters, because these sacred writings, the Bible, this makes us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Because you have the Bible, that means you have the message of salvation. You can know Jesus. You can come to the the knowledge of the truth. Because the truth is right there in front of you. We have to understand, church, that this is what the Bible is ultimately about. The Bible is the story of of Jesus Christ. We we were reading in our uh, little family devotions uh, a couple weeks ago, and they summed up the Bible. They said, said, God made it. We broke it. Jesus fixes it. That's what the Bible is about. It's the grand story of the Gospel. This holy God created us. So that we would honor and, and obey and make a huge deal of how wonderful He is. That's why we were created. And then we decided not to do that. In Adam, He He sinned and we all inherited this, this rebellion, this sinful nature. And just like Him, we, we stand condemned before God because of all the ways we rebel against Him. We refuse to honor Him. So we deserve hell. This Word teaches us we deserve hell. But God's holiness... Because God's holiness demands that He cannot be with sinful people. He, he couldn't be God and be with sinful people. are not allowed in His presence. He must judge sin. But He loves us. But He loves us. And he wants us to be with him, and he wants us to glorify Him. He wants us to be who we were created to be. So he sent Jesus. And Jesus did what none of the rest of us ever could do, what, what anyone else, born of a woman, had ever done and could ever do. He lived a perfect life. He had no sin. He had no sin. But God the Father punished him anyhow for sins that we had done. Jesus paid for the hell that I deserve, that you deserve. And when He died on the cross, He paid for the sins that we had committed so that we would not have to pay for any of them. He was raised from the dead, defeating death and sin and hell once for all, for all of His people. He said, all those who believe this good story, this good news and trust that Jesus is indeed the Savior that the Bible says He is, all those people will be saved. They will be forgiven of their sins. They will be brought into God's family forever. They will be able to do what we were originally created to do, which is gather around God and enjoy Him and celebrate Him and worship Him and obey Him and honor Him. And he is going to someday bring us to our eternal home where we will enjoy Him Forever, and until we get there, we're given the Holy Spirit of God who seals us and convicts us and comforts us and grows us in grace, strengthens us to, to live a holy life. That's what this book is about. It's about the gospel, this grand story of redemption, of God of God taking people who have rebelled against him. And bringing them into His family forever. Making them holy. Making them happy in Him. For His glory. Paul says to Timothy, that's what this is about. These sacred writings that you've been given. And of course, the only sacred writings Timothy had at the time were the Old Testament. The Old Testament is about Jesus. The New Testament is about Jesus. As we go through the book of Numbers, I hope that you see over and over and over, it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about, it's about why we desperately need Jesus, and it's about what Jesus has accomplished for us, and how we can and should live because of Jesus. That's what this word is about. This is the first reason we absolutely must continue in the Bible. It makes us wise for salvation. That's the first reason. Second reason, the Bible is breathed out by God. There's the second reason we must continue in the Bible. Nothing else makes sense. We must continue. Verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Every single word in the original languages is exactly, listen carefully, it's exactly the word that God chose for us to have. We have, we have tons of different human authors and spans thousands of years. This, this book being written took generations, generations of human authors who were from different parts of the world and they had different languages and they had different backgrounds and they had different educations and they had different, they, they had different life experiences. They had different vocabularies. And, and God gave them all of the different backgrounds that they had, all the different vocabularies, educations, stories that they had, so that, so that when they actually came to the point of putting pen to paper, Wayne Grudem says, the words were fully their own words, but also fully the words that God wanted them to write. Words that God would also claim as His own. Every word that every human author put down was exactly the word God wanted. It is exactly the word he chose beforehand. He used their personalities, their backgrounds. Peter says that they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God carried them along as they wrote the word of God. So you have in your hands the word of God. God has spoken to you. It's right here. So we have to think, who is God? Is, is God really the one who has created everything for His glory? Is God the one who has created everything? Think with me about this. Is He the one who has created everything and everyone for His glory? Is God really completely in control? Is He really perfectly holy and all powerful and completely wise? Is it true that He can do anything He wants to do and He's never made a mistake? Is he really the God of mercy and grace and holiness and justice that we see in the the Bible? Is God really who he claims to be? And is this really his inspired word? Is all of that really true? This is why Psalm 119 says that this word is the light for my path. I was um so my uh, my wife and I and my family we'll, we will have been here now in Indiana for five years. One of the things i didn 't know about Indiana I mean I knew it, but I thought it was exaggerated um, was that i, I didn 't realize that this is basically um, this is basically like ninety nine percent cornfield and and like 1% civilization. I didn't realize that that was the ratio. Um, people told me, and I thought they were exaggerating. We, love it. we live in one big farm. That's all this is. You can't, go, you can't go anywhere without driving past cornfields. There are no people in Indiana. This is an awful place to live. I'm a city boy. I, I, I've never lived anywhere where you had to drive past cornfields to get to somewhere important. Never in my life. So I'm still working through this. Maribeth had a basketball game in um, Culver or Argus or somewhere Thursday night. Um, and so I was driving her home from that. And we're, in, we're on one of those roads... Um, that because it's out in the country, they, I, they haven't, I guess, discovered electricity or whatever. There are no streetlights. Um, there are no people. It is the setting for every horror movie I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and it's just dark out there. And people say the stars are lovely. Well, I, wasn't, I'm, I, I didn't want to go into a field and do stargazing. I wanted to get home. My, my headlights went out. It's dark. <laughs> I mean, we are talking, we are talking dark. And I'm thinking, man. And I'm thinking about every, every scary movie I ever watched. And I'm thinking, I hope I'm faster than Bethy. <laughs> <laughs> just got to be faster than, I can do it. Um, it's dark. It, that's a very clarifying moment. Because we were talking about bas- we were talking about the basketball game, and I, I, I'm I, a pretty opinionated person when it comes to basketball, and I think I'm the best coach and ref and everything in the room, right? When a- Every game I ever watched, I've al- I always have the superior opinion. And so we were just talking about different things, and when the headlights went out, the basketball game didn't matter anymore. <laughs> Staying alive was what mattered. And so I slowed way down, and I... Messed with the knob because I felt like that was something to do. And they flickered back on. And then we'd drive for a while. And they'd go off for, again. And I'd slow way down. This is awful. So I just wanted to get to 30. I just, if I can get a Highway 30, I can just get behind like a semi-truck. And there, it's pretty light. I can, I'll be fine. That was my plan. And it basically worked. I, I made it. We are completely... In the dark, we don't have the lamp for our feet and the light for our path. This this passage of Scripture is very clarifying. It cuts right to, here's what's important. Here's what we need. Here's what we need. We need the Word of God. It is the the God-breathed. It is the God-breathed. Message. It is the light for our path. Now the final reason, third, third reason, number three, the Bible equips us for every good work. The Bible equips us for every good work. Verse 16 and 17 say: all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, none of us are interested in just surviving on this desert island. We we want to thrive. We want to matter. We want to be used by God to advance His kingdom, to advance His gospel, in in whatever ways He would see fit. We want to help our families and our loved ones know and trust and follow Jesus. We We want to be holy people. To, to be a Christian, to have your heart changed by God, it, it gives you this desire to do good work, to be holy, a holy person. To, in whatever spheres of life God gives you, to, to be faithful, to be a blessing. The Bible equips us for this. Because, because the Bible is profitable for teaching. This reminds us we cannot teach ourselves by ourselves. Truth doesn't come from within us. Truth is not fluid. It doesn't change from generation to generation. Truth is fixed. And it comes from outside of us. We need to be taught. The Bible does this. The Bible is profitable for teaching. It's also profitable for reproof. Verse 16 says it's profitable for reproof. Which means it shows us what we need to repent of. It shows us our sinful hearts. It shows us our our sinful desires. It it shows us our sinful actions. It reproves us. It's also profitable for correction. So it does more than just show us um, what we need to repent of. It doesn't just point out the wrong. It also straightens us out. It it, it corrects us. It shows us how to turn away from sin. How to push away from it. And then it trains us for righteousness. It sets before us what it means to live a godly life. It shows us what it means to live a life that honors God. Ask yourself this morning. Just think about this in your own mind, your own heart. Do you want to turn away from sin? Do you want to honor God with your life? Do you want to be equipped for any and every kind of good work? Then this is your book. This is it. Read it. Listen to it taught. Believe it. Trust it. Obey it. I want to say one more thing, and then I'm done. I want to say one more thing. The wonderful thing about the gospel, the wonderful thing about the message um, that we have in this word, is because it it teaches us that God didn't just drop a book on a desert island. I I have a, I mean, I I joked and said if I was going to be stranded on a desert island, I would take a book called How to Survive on a Desert Island. Those of you who know me well know that I would, (laughs) I'd need more than that book, probably. Um, Book is nice. It probably wouldn't, I, I would still be a bit of a mess because you, you you've got to be able to um, put what you see in the book into practice and uh, I, I'm not positive but I don't think I would be very good at it um, like like my inability to, to make a hut for myself to live in or my ability my inability to Trap a wild animal and 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 eat it for dinner and have its, I don't know, hide to be my winter coat or whatever. I don't know what desert island people do, but um, there's probably not a lot of winter there. But anyhow, my inability is not lack of information. Um, it's deeper than that. My inability to follow God's word is not because I, there's Bibles everywhere. The Bible's everywhere. God did more than drop a book on our desert island. God sent his son. And his son, Jesus, said that if we are lost, he will come to us. He will come to us. And he showed us on that cross that he will come to us. And Jesus obeyed this Word perfectly. He obeyed the Word of the Lord perfectly. He did what we could not do. He actually understood it perfectly. He was the first person to get it. The people had spent their whole life studying it. Word by word. Didn't understand it. He obeyed it perfectly. And then on the cross, He paid for all the times that we did not. And for all who believe upon Him, and I pray and I hope that you will trust Him as your Savior. That you will trust in what He has done on the cross for you. And for all those who do, he, he gives his spirit who, who changes us and helps us to, first he helps us to love this word. Like, we, this is all a bunch of, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a glorious message of who God is and what he has done for his sinful people. And then it's a lot of, here's how you should then live. It's a lot of telling you what to do. Not even telling you what to do, telling you how to feel. Telling you what to love. But have you noticed? This is the first book that tells you what to do, that you've loved. God changes us. This book gets into our business. It bothers us. It irritates us. It points out our flaws. And yet we love it. We keep coming back to it. Because Jesus has come. And he has, he has changed our hearts. He has given us His Spirit. He's given us a love for His Word. And not only has He given us a love for His Word, but, and, and a, an awareness that it's necessary, He's also given us the strength to understand it, and to believe it, and to obey it. This is grace upon grace upon grace. Our God is the Ancient of Days. His Word will stand forever. And, and through His Son, He is grace upon grace upon grace. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your love for us. We thank You for Your Word. And we could this could be a ten-part sermon series to think through all that You have given us in your word, and all that that means for our daily lives. We could spend many sermons in 2 Timothy 3 16 and 17. We, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed exactly who you are, what you have done, how you want us to respond. We thank you, God, for the truth that we have here. And we thank you for Jesus who opens our eyes to see that we need the Word of God. Opens our eyes to trust to believe the Word of God. For his Spirit gives us the strength to obey the Word of God. We thank you for your great grace to us. In Christ's name, amen.